You're listening to the Really Useful Podcast. This is the tech podcast for technophobes from makeuseof.com. My name is Christian Corley and with me this week is James Frew. How are you doing, James? Yeah, very good. Thank you. I've been having a nice weekend off. We're recording this on a Monday morning, so we're we're feeling sprightly from the weekend. Isn't that right? Hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, um, I've had a reasonably good weekend. So, uh, and uh, I hope you're uh, feeling uh, all of the get up and go and joys of spring uh, wherever you are listening to this. Um, we, we've taken this. This is a slightly unusual topic for me. It's one that I don't know an awful lot about. So, um, hopefully, James is going to guide me through this. Uh, I'm not really sure what we're calling this podcast at the moment, but we're kind of talking about vegan electronics, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah, so this is a topic that I've been exploring over the past couple of months in bits and pieces on the site. Um, so if I if I said to you vegan electronics, I guess what what do you think of when you when you hear that? Um, what I want to think of is um, hippies sitting on a campfire playing a guitar, playing an acoustic guitar, refusing to um, <laughs> go beyond any form of um, complaining that uh, Dylan went electric, basically. And I know that's absolute <laughs> nonsense, just the way my mind works. Yeah. No, and it's fair, you know, I think that's what a lot of people, you know, there's been a movement towards veganism over the past few years. You've probably heard of uh, the movements like Veganuary, which is every January, uh, a couple of organizations club together and they encourage people to switch to meat alternatives and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And there's a couple of reasons why it's growing in interest. There's been a few Netflix documentaries that really harness people's interests, like um, Cowspiracy a few years ago. And these are things that look at the industrial practice of meat production and those kind of things. Mm-hmm. But then also there's the interest in climate change and the way that we treat the world. And generally speaking, people think that eating plant-based, so non-meat, is the less damaging version of agriculture. So people have become more interested in it in the past few years, but... There is still this perception of veganism as being the sort of 70s, 60s and 70s hippie movement. Um, so then it leads you to think, well, veganism is a movement about food predominantly, but it's also a lifestyle. So as I said, it's based around a load of different feelings about climate change, about sustainability, kindness. There's a lot of different things that actually go into the movement aside from just food. And so a lot of people find themselves, if they are moving towards a vegan or plant-based lifestyle or trying to remove animal products from their life, um, they tend to look at their clothes. Clothes is a a good example of vegan lifestyle where people have stopped wearing coats with duck feathers in them, for example. And there's um, protests about a company called um, Canada Goose, which has uh, questionable standards about how they get the feathers for their jackets and things. And... So the logical extension of that then is what materials are being used in the products that you consume and buy every day. And that's where I started looking at this from, was that about six months ago, we changed the format on our buying guides. So in case you haven't listened before, I'm the buyer's guide editor. So I look at a lot of these different guides and we do a lot of headphone guides. And one of the things you start to notice when we're entering specifications is how many of them use leather in the construction. So both Christian and I at the moment are wearing over-the-head headphones. Um, so there's a little bar that goes over the top of your head. And to make that feel comfortable so it's not just plastic, 
there's usually a bit of material on there and it could be felt, it could be synthetics, but quite often, particularly in premium sets, it's leather. And this isn't something that the manufacturers make a big deal of. So it can be quite hard to find. You know, we've spent quite a long time looking at forums, reading things. They don't, I think probably because of the perception, they don't like to tell you that it's got leather in it. And it was that line of thinking that led to me to create the vegan-friendly headphones list that we've got on the site now. Um, so some of them are actually big brands. You don't actually have to look very far to find vegan-friendly headphones. So these are ones without leather. That's predominantly what we're, we're talking about in this specific instance. So the seven that I chose for this was the Apple AirPods Max, the House of Marley Positive Vibration XL, the House of Marley Rebel BT, the Jabro Elite 85H, which is my headset of choice, the Bose Quiet Comfort 35.2, Anker Soundcore Life Q20, and the Sony WH-1000XM3, which is a very catchy name. Um, but those brands, some of them don't use leather at all. Some of them do. Some of them will use it in a whole range of products. Some of them will use it in ones that sound very similar, but aren't that particular model number. And that's the case for Sony. So Sony have terrible names for their products. So if you search for something like the WH-2000, I mean, this is just me making it up, but if it was the WH-2000XM3, it could well have leather in it. So it's, you've got to be quite um, picky when it comes to looking at these details because brands like Bose have actually committed to not using leather in any of their products. But as I said, Sony don't do that. So you, you do have to pay close attention. Um, so do you know what your ones are, Christian? Uh, well, I'm using Sennheiser. I'm one of those people who can't tell the difference between leisure and faux leather. <laughs> Sorry, leather yeah. and faux leather. So um, I have no idea, and I don't have the packaging for these anymore, so I would need to... Um, and I can't find a model number on them, so... Yeah. I'm re reasonably confident they're not knockoffs. Um, <laughs> uh, but I don't know. But I mean, I mean, there's the strap across the top doesn't feel like leather it feels a bit synthetic but around the ears um i would not like to make a decision either way yeah oh that's something that i should have pointed out as well is that sometimes the the ear pads will be leather now that's rarer than the strap across the top and that's because leather can interfere with the noise cancelling in some of them right. so sometimes it feels a bit funny or it can get a bit sweaty on your ears so they don't typically use leather in the construction of the ear pads but it can happen. Some of them do use it. I think these have noise cancellation. So based on that, I'm going to confidently, with absolutely very little ground, so maybe I could move into politics, declare that these are vegan <laughs> headphones. Yeah, of course, that's that's where I was, what I was going to mention, is that I should have been clearer about what is actually used instead of uh, leather yes. in the construction of these. So quite often you'll see things called PCU leather or leatherette, there's loads of different names for it, but essentially it's plastic that's meant to seem like leather. So it has a very similar feel, but it's designed specifically to replicate leather, but without you know, animal products. Okay. And the, the interesting thing is, although we associate leather with premium products, some of these actually feel more premium, even though they are cheaper to make, because obviously getting animal products is more expensive than being able to make a material in a factory and buy it en masse. So it can sometimes mean that you get a more premium feeling headphone, but for less money than if you were to buy the, the leather version. 
you know, like I say, I'm very poor at um, spotting the difference between real leather and fake leather. I, I wore a uh, fake leather jacket for many years, a long time ago, uh, thinking it was real leather. Yeah, it's very convincing. And especially because, like, in terms of leather jackets, like leather jackets, a proper, nicely done up, well insulated one is really expensive. And so when you come across something like um, there's a famous market in London called Camden Market. And I used to go there a lot as a teenager. And you could walk into a shop that had loads of leather jackets and some of them would be hundreds of pounds and some of them would be about 50. And you think, oh, yeah, I've got a really good deal. But what you don't realize is that, of course, it's not actually leather, but it's a good enough replacement that you wouldn't know. So that sometimes makes people question, well, if there's no practical difference between the leather one and the fake leather or plastic leather, then why choose the leather one? I think that's that's really the key to why a lot of people who aren't vegan or don't follow that lifestyle may still opt for one without animal products in it because a lot of people go well if i'm paying more for the animal one but also it has animal products in it and it might not be as good or as long lasting so why wouldn't i just choose the cheaper one that hasn't had to have animal involvement so even though i've labeled this buying guide the vegan friendly headphones you don't have to be vegan in order to do any of this stuff it could just be a choice that you make and there's loads of different things that go into making that choice other than just i don't eat meat you know, there's lots of people that eat meat, but also might choose vegan friendly headphones or sure. not to wear the leather jacket. So, you know, surely there is enough processed leather in the world already that actually there isn't really any need for any more leather manufacture. Just recycle old coats and jackets and bedding and car interiors and what have you. There is probably an option for it, but whether it be economical for the brands to do it, I don't know. Mm. Um, when you start to look at, say, plastic recycling, a lot of it is actually, it's a really complicated issue that on the face of it sounds great. Yeah, of course we want to reuse stuff because that sounds more sustainable. But then imagine you've got a plastic Coke bottle, for example, you put it in your recycling at home, then what happens to it? So it goes to a plant where it gets sorted. And then from the sorting plant, it has to be shipped to a different place. And then from that place, it then needs to be processed not all of the material will be useful. So maybe you get a sixth of a bottle of useful plastic to be recycled from it. Then what happens to it? it has to be put into another set of material so that someone can buy it and then ship to another location. Now, if you think about the environmental impact of shipping at all those different places and the energy involved in melting down the plastic, making sure it's clean, the human effort involved in checking it's the right type of plastic, that it doesn't interfere with other types of use, you know, because sometimes recycled plastic ends up in medical products, for example. So you can't have the wrong type of plastic being used in something so serious. So there's a lot that goes into it to get the output. And it's not always economical then for it to be used in certain products, which is why you don't tend to find your drinks bottles, say, made from recycled plastic, because it's too expensive for them to actually buy that plastic rather than just using virgin plastic or new plastic. Recycling. And I imagine it would be a similar situation with leather. Yeah, you're probably right. Recycling plastics are really uh, complicated thing because there's so many different types of plastic and so many ways that it can be reused. Uh, many, many years ago, was this my first proper job? Sorry, it depends what you call a proper job. No, this was my first job that didn't involve delivering newspapers. I <laughs> did a night shift 
at the factory where my dad was the uh, logistics guy and it made subducting for cable TV optical cables and so around this was what was it 95 96 time and there's a big rollout in the UK you may remember James of um, cable TV at the time mm -hmm. uh, with um, Comcast later became NCL later became Virgin Media and uh, basically huge huge lengths of plastic subducting were made but if they were made incorrectly they immediately got shredded and then reconstituted but that's just one type of plastic they could reuse that plastic pretty much overnight but that's just one type of plastic that isn't particularly useful in many other ways so the whole plastic thing as you, as you know there is uh, complicated And we'll take a moment from our usual podcast proceedings to just remind you that the Really Useful Podcast can be found pretty much anywhere you find podcasts. So we're on Apple Podcasts, we're on Spotify, we're on Google Podcasts. We're hosted at Transistor.fm, so you can find us there as well. We're also on YouTube and, of course, on MakeUseOf.com. Now, however you subscribe to the Really Useful Podcast and listen to us, it would be amazing if you could take a moment to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That will help us to find new listeners and take our podcast to ever greater heights. You'll find the link to our Apple Podcast page in the show notes. Thanks a lot. I am, um, do you know, something's come to mind whilst we've been discussing this. And that is the fact that I mercilessly mocked the idea of vegan electronics earlier, um, forgetting very um, conveniently, I suppose, that I actually have a part vegan diet because I can't take dairy. So, ah. um, egg on my face. I can eat eggs. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I was going to say, weird choice of phrase there. <laughs> So um, it's not just headphones, though, is it? it there, there are other aspects to vegan electronics. Yeah, so as we've sort of been discussing, most people come to veganism because of the food. Yeah. But depending on your beliefs and the values that you hold, you may extend it further into lifestyle things, which is why we've ended up talking about the materials and headphones. But you could extend it slightly further, too into a lot of people have um certainly in the modern times a version of compassionate veganism which is basically that we should be treating the world animals and other living beings carefully and treat them all as equals now i know that sounds like a very woolly thing to want to do but it then overlaps with ethics and morals and how you treat workers and sustainability and climate change. And so it's, it's part of a broader movement, but a lot of vegans align themselves with that, that line of thinking. So if you were then to try and examine electronics more broadly as to whether as a vegan, you'd find it acceptable to buy them. This is quite important because electronics have become so essential to our lives. You know, you can't really operate in a modern sense without a smartphone or a computer. Most services are online. So how are you going to find an ethical vegan computer if that was if you, that was something you really truly believed in? So I started looking at what that would mean. And we've got an article on the site that says, are electronics vegan? And 
I mean, in summary, it depends. It depends on how fastidious you are in applying that label. Because in one sense, most of them don't use animal products. There is an area that sometimes includes animal derived products and that's glue. So you might find that some of your electronics use glue with animal fats in them to make them bind better, but there's not actually any way of knowing. And this links into something else about traceability. So electronic supply chains are immensely complicated. I mean, when you, if you were to look at your phone, how many buttons are there on that? How many th electronic components are inside? How many sensors? There's a microphone, there's a screen, there's a display. All of this stuff doesn't come from one manufacturer and it doesn't start, you know, you don't mine a display or a microphone or a camera. They all have to be made of other things. Yeah. But if you were to say to Apple, for example, who famously have a lot of control over their supply chains, where did the metal come from that was used in the construction of one component on the PCB? There's no way they could tell you. That's because it comes from so many different manufacturers coming from so many different places and each layer in the supply chain gets more and more complex and traces and the traceability is just lost. So it's entirely possible that some electronics do have animal products in them because if you asked Apple, is this vegan? They'd go, well, we can't guarantee it is because we don't know what glue was used in it or we don't know the process that was used to make the material in the first place because there are some surprising things that you you end up finding out when you look into some of this stuff like beer isn't necessarily vegan now you think beer is just like water and, and hops but sometimes they use animal intestines and things to strain some of the beer nice. which would you know therefore make them not vegan so it's those kind of surprising manufacturing processes that have nothing to do with the product itself and if you were to look at the label it doesn't say it's got animal products in it or anything but it still may have been used so on that very particular level, I think you could say that electronics are probably mostly vegan, but you can't say for sure. But then from a sustainability and ethical standpoint, I think you couldn't really justify calling them vegan because I think we've talked about this before, even on the podcast when I've been on, electronics are bad for the environment, they're bad for manufacturing, they treat the planet and badly and a lot of the um, workers involved in mining the materials or putting the, together the phones are not treated well. You know, they're in low paid jobs, often not taken care of properly. Um, in the article, I write briefly about the infamous example of, I know I'm picking on Apple again, but one of their um, manufacturing plants had a spate of suicides because of the working conditions. And this has never really been addressed. So they treat people poorly. It's bad for the planet, and they are designed to be disposable, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. I've um, been working on something recently, an update to an old article, which kind of um, dovetails with this slightly. Um, it's about um, having a portable copy of Windows in your pocket and the various solutions, which might be a USB stick, it might be an HDMI stick from Intel, or one of the solutions, which I'm having to remove, is a Windows phone. Uh, now, the Windows mm. 10 mobile phones had a feature called Continuum, which basically mean that you didn't need a PC and a phone. You could use the phone as a PC. You would connect it over wireless HDMI or cable HDMI to a monitor, and it would give you instantaneously a desktop. 
So there was no need to have a phone and a laptop and a PC or a phone in a PC or even a phone in a tablet. You could just use the phone for it, the continuum feature, which is still part of Windows, and it um, determines how the desktop and the touch interface are displayed based on the hardware. Um, it, it did everything, and it's it, it feels like, at the time it felt like this was like, the beginning of a brave new era of computing whereby you carried your computer in your pocket you plugged it into or connected it wirelessly to a device when you got home did your work at home picked up your phone with you and just having one device to do like two or three other devices um purposes that seemed like a great thing and it didn't take off mm. yeah and that would have eliminated the need for multiple bits of hardware going out of date or needing replacing yep. and it also would make it less energy intensive because yep. when you're at home like looking at my setup right now i'm using a desktop computer i have a tablet next to me and my smartphone now all of those things need charging of course so but i'm not using all of them at the same time yeah but they're all using power so even though my phone isn't plugged in at some point it was and it's now discharging even though i'm not doing anything with it so at some point then it'll need to be recharged using more power so if you could have just one device it would cut down on a lot of these issues it would cut down on the manufacturing of it the repair wouldn't be as intensive if you have multiple devices uh, yeah it sounds like a great idea but i mean the cynic in me says the reason it never went anywhere is because there's too many vested interests in making you buy multiple devices i don't think you need to be cynical to feel that I mean, Samsung, yeah, maybe Samsung still have theirs, um, but and I know they they are trying to push it a bit more. But I think it might be, maybe it's just there's a limited audience for it. I've just um, taken my, my Samsung tablet, which I mentioned earlier, um, has a feature called Samsung Dex, which also appears on the Galaxy phones. I'm just going to um, I'll put a link to the show notes in this because there is an article on this on Make Use of. There it is, there, James. So I just oh, basically yeah. swapped from Android to that, and it's sort of a, um, it's very, it's a bit like Chrome, and it you know it works absolutely fine. It's very nice, um, sort of Android slash Chrome slash Linux desktop interface, um, and again this connects. I can use it like this with a keyboard, or I can connect it to a TV or a monitor with a keyboard, etc. And again, it's it's one device that fulfills um, two or three other requirements, and it just. It baffles me, you know, Continuum came along, I was checking the notes, because basically this article I'm working on, I've had to cut out the Windows Mobile because we don't tend to include things about unsupported operating systems. Windows Mobile 10, Windows 10 Mobile, um, end of life was January, I think, 2020, certainly 2020, mm -hmm. now 2021, so I'm not going to include it. That article that it was based on was from 2016. So, you know, th this technology has been in our hands for at least five years, and yet, you know, hasn't been embraced widely, hasn't been promoted, presumably. But then again, I wouldn't, and I do agree with you, James, but then at the same time, I wonder why introduce a technology and a feature and then not make the most of it? It would seem to me to be a massive selling point, and yet the PR people, at least, don't see it that way. The problem is, is there's so many different competing interests, isn't there? So you'll have had a team probably in Microsoft that went, this is an amazing feature, let's put it in. But then another team that went, yeah, but we're the hardware division. We're not going to say 
please just buy one device. Mm. We manufacture tablets and we've got a surface line and all of those kind of things. They go, yeah, but it's an amazing technology. But the business interests tend to not align. And that's often the case with pretty much everything we've spoken about today is that making a more sustainable phone is not impossible. Uh, there's a company called Fairphone, which I think I've spoken about before, yes. that are doing exactly that. They're trying to make the phone more ethical, longer lasting, easy to repair, all of these good things. Now, it's not perfect, um, but that's because supply chains are immensely complicated and they're doing their best and they've been do working at it for, I think it's about six years now. And they've got something like 40% traceability on all of their stuff, which is pretty good, mm. you know, considering the, the level of detail. And they're a small company. So it's a choice. And that's the same with sustainability, with changing the climate impact, with repairing stuff. All of these things are things that businesses could just choose to change, but they don't. So, for example, I'm going to, it always sounds like I'm bashing Apple, but it's because they can take, they protect their entire end-to-end -end experience. So it's very easy to explain, and I think a lot of people would relate to it. Um, but Apple are very good in many ways, but their devices are almost impossible to repair. And that's because they intentionally keep you out of them because they want you to buy a new one when it breaks yeah. or buy the Apple Care service plan or take it to their genius bar at the Apple store and spend $200 getting a new screen or something. And that is a choice that they've made about the, the business model that they have. It doesn't have to be that way. They could put screws in the back of it. They could make it so that you can switch out the batteries like the Fairphone does. Yeah. But, it, you know, and so that's why I think the idea of um, vegan electronics and vegan headphones is even if you're not vegan, just the idea of exploring some of these things and thinking about it exposes the inconsistency with which some of this stuff is applied. So like you said, Windows, Microsoft developed Continuum, a great feature that regardless of its technical merits, just on the face of it would save people a lot of money and prevent a lot of unnecessary waste was a, essentially abandoned because it didn't align with their other stuff. Yeah. And I think that's the way with a, with a lot of things. And I'm not some utopian idealist that thinks that just suddenly overnight everyone's going to wake up and go, oh, I'd love to make less money. But I think that alternative business models do exist. And I think Fairphone proves that because they've had to invest a lot of money in doing what they do to verify places it's not i agree it's not cheap but they're still a viable business that have been able to keep going and they've got a loyal fan base now so a company as big as apple or microsoft or amazon with them the most valuable companies in the entire world they have the resource to be able to do these things mm -hmm. so if it if it feels important to you then align your purchases with those ideals you know you can choose not to have animal products in your headphones, or you can choose the more sustainable phone, or you can choose a phone or a laptop that's easy to repair, those kind of things. We're getting towards the end of this week's really useful podcast. And I think now, after we've learned so much more about vegan electronics, is a good, good time to just wind back to what I said initially about hippies and acoustic guitars, and just mm. I own three acoustic guitars. I've got no nothing against acoustic guitars. But what I'm wondering is, is quote unquote vegan electronics, is that the best is, is that a PR fail? Could is sustainable not a better term that be more less likely to be met with derision? I mean it probably is, and there's not really such thing as vegan electronics. It was something that when 
I was looking around at this idea of the vegan headphones. I think mm. you can you can easily argue whether headphones are vegan or not. Um, but electronics is more of a messy, complicated area. Mm. And it wasn't so much that people actually referred to them in this way. Most vegans aren't thinking about it. You know, it's not an area that a lot of people put emphasis on with a vegan lifestyle. Okay. But I felt like after working on the headphones article, it was worth exploring. Does it do electronics align with a vegan attitude or at least a, a more like hardline vegan attitude? You know, most people still when they, if they move towards veganism, they are still mostly going to be thinking about food. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, it's a huge impact on climate change. It's kinder to animals to not need to kill them for your meat and all that stuff. Like there's nothing wrong with if that's your level, then that's fine. But some people do think about them a bit further. And I thought it was worth exploring this idea and this angle. But ultimately, you're right that the vegan electronics thing is about sustainability and ethics. And those are topics that I think are, are far more broad than just veganism. And it encompasses a lot of different things. Um, but it's certainly worth thinking about. And if you are vegan or you follow a vegan lifestyle, then you can make more positive changes about the way you purchase electronics or the way you use them and things like that. Yeah. But I don't think there's anyone out there saying there's no vegan movement saying electronics should be vegan and no manufacturer is branding their their laptop a vegan laptop or anything at least not for now um so it's, it's more of a term that came as a result of the way that i was researching this article and, and the angle i chose to take rather than a conscious effort on behalf of branding experts i do wonder if uh, a laptop termed vegan might be mistaken for an item of food anyway yeah <laughs> like a vegan chocolate laptop or something yeah <laughs> um right okay do you have anything to add anything um, no but coincidentally last week uh, just after i we talked about what the topic for this week's podcast would be uh, another journalist in the uk called becca caddy published an article on tech radar called sustainable sound how headphone speakers and turntables are going green which i think is an excellent sort of um addition to what we've been talking about and in it she interviews some of the brands like i mentioned that in my vegan headphones article i included house of marley and they are an excellent eco-friendly brand that's sort of loosely associated with as you would guess uh the estate of bob marley the reggae legend and it's just it's really worth a read about how some of these smaller brands are starting to push towards more sustainable um manufacturing and products and making it easy to repair and yeah it's really interesting Okay, so we'll provide a link to that in this week's show notes, along with everything else we've discussed in this week's really useful podcast. Um, well, that concludes the discussion for this week. Uh, as ever, get in touch with us. Big thanks to uh, James Frew for joining me this week. I've been Christian Corley, and hopefully we'll be next time as well. Until then, it's goodbye. Goodbye.